impeachment, conviction, and disqualification is not just about the past, it's about the future. You know, I'm not afraid of Donald Trump running again in four years. I'm afraid he's going to run again and lose, because he can do this again. Well, there's a scary thought to begin this show. Well done. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Oh, hi. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., also in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE, up in Oregon, on the Central Coast, on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV. Out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950. KTNF, amongst other fine terrestrial affiliates. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices channel. Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com with, yes, more special coverage of Donald Trump's second impeachment trial. Boy, I thought radio was hard when we uh, just had Donald Trump as a president. <laughs> I thought things would be easier by now, Des. Yeah, it turns out he didn't go away. Uh, yeah, not yet, anyway. Well, the uh, U.S. House impeachment managers have just finished presenting their opening argument. They were allotted some 16 hours. I don't believe they used all of them. And in, in any event, they wrapped up uh, that opening argument just within an hour or so before airtime here. And once again, we are scrambling to put together their hours of material in a way that may help you better understand their extraordinarily clear and cogent and compelling argument that Donald Trump incited a deadly insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th in hopes of stopping the certification of the Electoral College vote count by Congress, in hopes of stealing the 2020 presidential election from its rightful winner, as agreed by the certification of all 50 states, that would be Joe Biden, and that if he is not disqualified in the future from running for office, that he will, in fact, do it all again. We will get to today's proceedings shortly, as, uh, frankly, I think it was one hell of a case Oh, definitely. That the managers put on. I mean, just really, I don't know how you could do it any better than they did, uh, at least in my opinion. 
I'm not a constitutional legal expert or an attorney, but I would call it an airtight base, airtight case based on what I saw. But of course, we have yet to see Donald Trump's defense team put on their response. We will cover that, of course, on our next broadcast as they begin their own opening arguments uh, on Friday. Uh, meantime, in some not at all unrelated news, first today, dozens of former Republican officials who view the party as unwilling to stand up to former President Trump and his attempts to undermine U.S. democracy are now reportedly in talks to form a center-right breakaway party, according to an exclusive report out last night from Reuters, who spoke with four people involved in the discussions. The early-stage discussions include former elected Republicans, former officials in the Republican administrations of Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, George Bush, and yes, even Donald John Trump as well. Also, ex-Republican ambassadors and Republican strategists, According to the people who were involved in the conversation, more than 120 of them held a Zoom call last Friday to discuss this uh, breakaway group, which would run on a platform of, quote, principled conservatism. I'll save my comments on that for the moment. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, in including adherence to the Constitution and the rule of law. Ideas those involved say have been trashed by Donald Trump. Well, they are right about that, though many of those same folks did the very same thing for years prior. Trashed those principles, but as noted, I'll save my comments for now, largely because I'm happy to see this uh, uh, nascent effort. Sure, it's kind of a low bar, but it is nice to hear that there are some Republicans who find insurrectionists and fascists to be not palatable for a, their party. A bridge too far. So we know there might be a line for them somewhere. The plan would be to run candidates in some races, but also to endorse center-right candidates in others, be they Republicans or independents or Democrats, the people say. Evan McMullen, who was the chief policy director for the House Republican Conference, and ran as an independent himself in the 2016 presidential election, told Reuters that he co-hosted the Zoom call with former officials concerned about Trump's grip on Republicans and the nativist turn the party has taken. The talks highlight the wide intra-party rift over Trump's false claims of election fraud and the deadly January 6th storming of the U.S. Capitol. Most Republicans, however remain fiercely loyal to the former president, Reuters notes, but others seek a new direction for the party. And yes, I honestly do wish them luck. Uh, call participants said that they were particularly dismayed by the fact that more than half of the Republicans in Congress, and that would be eight senators and 139 House representatives, voted to block certification of Joe Biden's electoral victory, but not just to block it, block it hours after the Capitol siege. Most Republican senators have also indicated that they will not support the conviction of Trump in this week's Senate impeachment, despite the compelling and chilling and extraordinarily uh, detailed evidence offered by the Democratic House impeachment managers. McMullen told Reuters large portions of the Republican Party are radicalizing and threatening American democracy. The party needs to recommit 
to truth, reason, and founding ideals, or there clearly needs to be something new. Asked about the discussions for a third party, however, Jason Miller, a Trump spokesman, said, Those losers left the Republican Party when they voted for Joe Biden. Uh, even among the uh, group on the call, however, many are apparently not sold on the idea. McMullen said that just over 40 percent of those on the uh, Zoom call last week had backed the idea of a breakaway national third party. Another option under discussion is to form a, quote, faction that would operate either inside the current Republican Party or outside of it. Names under consideration for a new party include the Integrity Party. And the yes, I'm what, continuing yes, to withhold comment. I know. I noticed you snickering over there. Are you <laughs> uh, the Integrity Party uh, or the Center Right Party? If it is decided instead to form a faction, one name under discussion for that faction is the center-right Republicans. Members are aware that the U.S. political landscape is littered with the remains of previous failed attempts at national third parties. Uh, but as one participant said, there is a far greater hunger for a new political party out there than I have ever experienced in my lifetime. Uh, given what uh, appears to be happening this week alone at the U.S. Capitol, I cannot say I blame them uh, for having that hunger. On Wednesday, the uh, Democratic House impeachment managers put on a remarkable, detailed, clear, persuasive, often chilling point-by-point -point case of how Donald Trump had for months even long before uh, Election Day, as early as last summer, laid the groundwork for the deadly January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol, declaring repeatedly on Twitter, at rallies, in media appearances, that if he lost the election, that all polls had predicted he would lose badly, if he lost, that it was only because it was a rigged election that had been stolen from him. And by the way, that's the same thing that he did before the 2016 election, for those who may have forgotten. But this was the point that the House managers made in their first day of opening arguments on Wednesday, that this was not just, a, you know, if, if it's a question of, oh, well, what he did or didn't say in his rally in front of the White House. Oh, yeah. They said it was January not, just, not, not yeah. just that one speech. It was a pattern, a practice and pattern, a months long preparation that he had put in place uh, gunning for January 6th. In any event, that was the first day of opening arguments for the House presentation in the Senate with disturbing uh, previously unseen uh, and unheard audio and video documentation detailing how extensive the violence of this insurrection actually was and how long uh, Trump had planned for exactly that outraging his supporters for months falsely about a stolen election and then directing them well before January 6th to fight like hell at the Capitol on that day that they did. After all of his other attempts to steal the election via nonviolent means had failed. The evidence presented showed how how close many lawmakers actually came to very serious harm and how Trump's own vice president, Mike Pence, was specifically targeted for assassination. 
not just by Trump's uh, supporters, but by Trump himself, along with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and others. Trump, uh, the impeachment managers persuasively explained on Wednesday and showed through documentation, left Pence and Pelosi and the others for dead, never calling on his supporters to cease the assault, uh, never sending in help like the National Guard in order to stop them. That was left, as we learned on Wednesday, to uh, Mike Pence and Pelosi and other congressional leaders. But Donald Trump never contacted, apparently never bothered to contact the National Guard. Even after he saw what was going on there for hours, he has to this day never shown remorse for his actions on that day. Even after five died at the Capitol on January 6th, including one police officer, two more police officers took their lives in the days that followed the insurrection as more than 100 of those officers faced very serious injuries and hospitalization, including shattered spinal cord discs, lost fingers, gouged out eyes, all as senators were visibly shaken uh, on Wednesday by the presentation from the House managers uh, that day. Many of the Republican senators, however, to paraphrase James Bond, uh, were shaken but apparently not stirred, as the Washington Post reports today. As senators on Wednesday absorbed the videos at former President Donald Trump's impeachment trial, Senator James Lankford of uh, Oklahoma bent his head down to his desk. Senator Steve Daines of Montana reached over to place a comforting hand on Lankford's arm. The vivid footage of the assault on the Capitol revived horrible memories, according to Danes later on. Throughout a day of excruciating evidence showing police officers screaming in pain, rioters screaming angrily, some Republican senators reacted with visible emotion. Yes, it seems they still have <laughs> some of those. However, there was little indication that they would change their minds and vote to convict Trump, according to the Post, holding on to the false argument that a former president cannot be impeached. But, of course, a former president was not impeached. A sitting president was impeached. Donald Trump was the sitting president when he was impeached, and he would have stood trial for that impeachment as a sitting president had not the same Republican senators blocked that from happening until after he was out of office, the so-called January exception that the House manager said does not exist to uh, give presidents immunity, essentially, to do whatever they want in their last weeks in office. So the trial after leaving office, as is now occurring, is uh, both well-precedented uh, in, uh, in Congress and it is constitutional, according to hundreds of legal scholars from both the left and the right and a majority of senators. In fact, 56 out of 100 of them voted as much on Tuesday, which is why that matter, having now been settled, despite the denialism, the continuing denialism by some of those Republicans, the trial is now constitutionally underway. Now, if the uh, Democratic House manager's goal was to make it personally and politically painful for Republicans to clear Trump, 
They appeared to make some headway in that regard on Wednesday, according to the Post, raising the question of whether any more GOP senators might join the so far half dozen who appear at least willing to consider conviction. But, of course, they would need 17 Republicans uh, to do so, to join them, in fact, uh, for there to be a conviction. And then a subsequent simple majority vote on whether Trump can be barred from office, uh, from holding office in the future. That created a vivid contrast between the emotion inside the Senate chamber and the many senators' legalistic explanations outside of the chamber. Senator Dan Sullivan of Alaska said it made me angry after the House managers had unveiled fresh footage of the insurrection. For me, at least, he said, it brings back a lot of anger. I guess seeing how close that they were to, you know, being killed might do that to you. Not only were the uh, GOP senators forced to confront the raw emotion of January 6th and the danger that they personally faced, they were also repeatedly reminded of Trump's coarse language and his tactics and how often he actually targeted Republicans for abuse. It was not just targeting Democrats. He was targeting these people, these Republicans. Tweets were read in which Trump threatened Republicans and bullied Vice President Mike Pence. Video footage of a separate march on Washington showed a Trump aide actually denouncing the Republican Party with Trump supporters chanting, destroy the GOP, destroy the GOP. These are the people that these Republicans right now are, for some reason, trying to protect. Senator Kevin Kramer of North Dakota, like uh, many of his fellow Republican senators, heaped praise on the House manager's presentation. How could they not? Shortly before stressing that no matter, that would not change his mind. He says there's no question it was well done. But does it mean that Trump was responsible? Well, Kramer uh, added mm, that does not necessarily mean that was the case. How one could even think that after watching the presentation, frankly, is beyond me. How they could think that Donald Trump was not responsible. Who else would have been responsible? How could any of this happened had it not been for him? But who knows? Maybe Thursday's presentation will have helped Kramer along in that regard. The manager spoke uh, directly to that point of Trump's culpability here. Uh, some of which we will get to in a bit. Overwhelmingly, the Post reports Senate Republicans who have already decided Trump cannot be held accountable by Congress for inciting the violent mob on January 6th. So, you know, why bother? Because it's all unconstitutional. Which, of course, it isn't. Which, of course, their own body has voted that it isn't. Which, of course, uh, the, the most respected uh, attorneys, constitutional legal experts and scholars on their side, the Republican conservative ones have all said it isn't. But, you know, these are folks who have, you know, gotten quite good over the years at denying things. <laughs> True. Their intellectual dishonesty is epic. They have seized on that argument that the Senate has no authority to try a former president the landscape reflects the reality that few in the GOP are willing to take uh, aim at a former president who retains the loyalty of a large faction of the party. But, you know, here's the thing. These Republicans in the Senate 
right now have the opportunity to take away the one superpower that Donald Trump has left. His only superpower is that he has the ability to run again in 2024. He has no more Twitter feed. He has no more power as a president. But when it comes to 2024, right now, Donald Trump is the front runner. I mean, am I wrong about that? Is someone else the front runner that I'm not aware of right now? It's Donald Trump. But if you take that away from him and he has doesn't even have that anymore, then he has no superpowers left. You do not need to be afraid of him. There is nothing that his supporters can do and his influence over them and over the Republicans in office. All of that will wane because he has nothing to back it up with. He would never be the president again, and he would not be able to hold uh, hold that out as you know some sort of threat for the future. If only these cowardly Republicans follow him, take away his superpower. Republicans have that ability here to take away that last remaining superpower of Donald Trump. Whether they will remains in question and, frankly, is even doubtful because either they are not smart or they are that cowardly. Take your pick. I'll say this, said Oklahoma Republican James Inhofe. The House has put a real good team together. Would that change his mind? Would anything? Not from anything I've seen so far, Inhofe told The Post. So that is the insurmountable hurdle that has confronted the House managers since the moment Trump was impeached on January 13, a Senate Republican conference that has so allied with Trump for the last four years and is responsible to a voter base that remains enthralled with the 45th president. But, of course, they can reverse that. They can reverse that history and they can reverse that future if they wish. A handful of Republicans have gone out of their way to show disengagement with the trial. But the vast majority of GOP senators, the Post reports, have been attentive and captivated. Senators Tim Scott of South Carolina and Ben Sass of Nebraska assiduously exchanged notes, whispered back and forth during the proceedings. Senator John Cornyn. Desi's favorite from Texas, hmm. uh, flipped through pages in a thick binder, occasionally underlining phrases. The notable exception, they say, is Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, who has reportedly been spotted doodling in a notepad. When a video of the riot uh, showed the uh, rioters shouting, stop the steal, nearly all the senators were fixated on the television screen. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell kept his eyes locked on the TV as the gripping videos played. House impeachment managers played never before seen security footage. Susan Collins at that point sat with a hand over her masked mouth. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas Desi's other favorite was among those paying close attention as House managers used footage and maps to show how close the attackers came to the lawmakers that they had vowed to kill. But Cruz does not describe himself as keeping an open mind. He said the result of this trial is preordained. Of course, Ted Cruz was uh, one of those who had mounted the effort to contest the Electoral College results on January 6th, despite the lack of evidence to support that contest. He said President Trump will be acquitted. He said he thinks the trial is a waste of time. 
and the result of uh, seething partisan anger on the part of congressional Democrats. Senator Josh Hawley, Hawley, Republican of Missouri, my favorite, took the opportunity to sit in the uh, galleries above the Senate floor with his feet up on the seats. He'd say, I, he, he said, this is all pretty much more of the same. It's exactly what's in the brief. So it's pretty all pretty predictable. Hawley, who last month contested the counting of the Electoral College, he, by the way, beat Ted Cruz to that uh, distinction. He repeatedly dismissed the House manager's case as nothing new here. He saw no ground for a trial at all. He said, if you don't have jurisdiction, that's just the end of the call. So he's sticking with that. No jurisdiction. Unconstitutional. Republicans are also warning of a new precedent being set that could subject former presidents, even dead ones, to a Senate trial. Not sure how they get to this, but they do. Senator Mike Rounds of South Dakota said, I've continued to say that it's not constitutional to impeach and convict a former president. Do we go back to Jefferson? Do we go back to Johnson again? He's talking about Andrew Johnson, the first president to be impeached in 1868, I think. Uh, do we go back to Kennedy? Do we go back, you know, why, why and what point does that stop? Of course, he's lying because Trump was impeached while he was president. Well, you make a good point, but I think what he meant was uh, we will dig up Jefferson, swear him back into office, and then impeach him, make him president again, uh, as was the case here when Donald Trump was the president, when he was impeached. So, yes, it's a phony, it's a false argument, but that has, since when has that stopped uh, Senate or House Republicans at this point? The lone exception, by the way, to uh, all of this, uh, to this unyielding stance, as the Post described it, was uh, Senator Bill Cassidy of uh, Republican of Louisiana, whose agony and internal deliberations seem to play out on the Senate floor in real time. And I got to say, I've never been a fan of Bill Cassidy, but I am now. At least for the moment, he is genuinely looking at this case, saying, I am an impartial juror. I have been sworn to that uh, under oath. And he is keeping an open mind. He think he you know has said that he was impressed by the case brought by the House managers. He wants to hear some of the answers to the questions that were posed by those House managers, like, for example, why didn't the president take any action whatsoever when he knew that the U.S. Capitol was under attack? He said he hasn't made up his mind because he wants to hear the uh, the case brought by uh, the Trump defense team. By the way, I join him. While five Republicans joined Democrats in supporting the constitutionality of the trial, both in January when they had a test vote and this week, Cassidy was the only GOP senator to switch his position to join the Democrats. I should say to join his fellow five Republicans who, you know, did the right thing. During the airing of the new security camera footage, Cassidy was seen uh, clearly troubled, pacing back and forth. Still, he is now facing censure threats from his own party now in Louisiana. He told reporters that his vote uh, on Tuesday only means that he's keeping an open mind. The issue was, is it constitutional, Cassie, Cassidy said, and at the end of the day, clearly it had been established that it was constitutional despite the fact that most Senate Republicans appear to disagree. This is not a referendum on whether you agree with everything the president says or tweets, 
said Ted Cruz. This is instead a legal proceeding assessing whether the president has committed high crimes or misdemeanors. Of course, he's wrong. It's not a legal proceeding. It's a constitutional proceeding. It is to determine whether he has committed uh, high crimes or misdemeanors. But as the House managers discussed on Wednesday and again on Thursday, if a president of the United States knowingly, purposely and premeditatingly incited an insurrection against the United States government itself, if that is not an impeachable offense, then nobody seems to know what would actually be one for the president of the United States. But that is somewhat where things picked up on day two on Thursday of the House manager's opening argument. And that is where we will pick up after a quick break here. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to special coverage of Donald Trump's impeachment trial number two right here on the broadcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's the broadcast special impeachment trial coverage, impeachment number two for Donald John Trump. Uh, I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to the broadcast day two of the House impeachment manager's presentation focused specifically on Trump's personal role in inciting the January 6th MAGA mob attack on the U.S. Capitol as they concluded their opening arguments against the disgraced former president just about an hour or so before airtime, lead House manager Congressman Jamie Raskin of Maryland implored senators in his closing remarks to exercise common sense about what just took place in our country. There's an idea. And that they should find Trump guilty of inciting an insurrection. He said senators have the power under the Constitution to find Trump guilty of having betrayed the oath of office. The nation's founders wrote into the Constitution and that if incitement of insurrection against the U.S. government itself is not an impeachable offense, then nothing is. And that that cannot possibly be true. Another impeachment manager, Jonah Goose of Colorado, warned senators that acquitting Trump could have lasting consequences for the country, saying that if we pretend this did not happen or worse, if we let it go unanswered, who's to say it won't happen again? So let's run through some of the case presented on Thursday with a few audio clips as time allows. Beginning with the argument and the uh, copious evidence presented that Trump's MAGA mob supporters believe that they were doing Trump's bidding. They were there because Donald Trump told them to be there. They came to D.C. on his invitation and they took over the Capitol at his behest to stop the counting of the 2020 Electoral College votes, even if it meant the assassination of the president of the Senate. That would be Vice President Mike Pence and of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi or anybody else that they could find. And they almost did. 
uh, Raskin uh, set up this presentation of how the mob of supporters thought they were doing Trump's bidding. Congresswoman Diana DeGette of Colorado explained that Trump supporters truly believed the whole protest was at Trump's direction. They thought they would face no impe- no punishment for it, which might explain why they were so brazen about posting photos and videos bragging that they had broken into the Capitol. And many of them, you know, vowing to hang Mike Pence or to put a bullet through Nancy Pelosi's head if they could find them. Uh, After arrests, uh, the crowd repeatedly said that they were there at Donald Trump's direction. Since that day, however, DeGette explained, uh, now some have said they feel duped by the president. Of course, that may be what they're saying now that they've been arrested and charged for their crimes. But uh, more and more are now apparently admitting that, yes, they came at Donald Trump's direction. Damage and pain to our capital. Damage and pain to Americans, damage to our police force, and damage to other nations who have always seen us as a bastion of democracy. All of these people who have been arrested and charged, they're being accountable, held accountable for their actions. Their leader, the man who incited them, must be held accountable as well. But, as I said earlier, You don't have to take my word for it that the insurrectionists acted at Donald Trump's direction. They said so. They were invited here. They were invited by the President of the United States. Congressman Jamie Raskin of Maryland uh, followed up uh, saying that uh, describing Trump's history of calling for and supporting political violence at his rallies, going all the way back to 2015 to a support for the right wing Nazi rally in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017. Uh, And then the armed protest at the Michigan State Capitol last year after Trump had tweeted attacks on Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and called for liberating Michigan on Twitter. He did not condemn any of this. He called on Whitmer to negotiate with the armed protesters who took over the Capitol as if it was a dress rehearsal for what would eventually happen at the U.S. Capitol. After that, uh, 13 men were subsequently arrested for a conspiracy to take over the Capitol again and this time kidnap the Michigan governor. The violent domestic extremists had collected materials for Molotov cocktails to attack police vehicles and heavy weapons. Trump did not condemn them. He did not condemn that violence. He did not condemn the extremists. Raskin explained instead... He further attacked the governor for having done a terrible job. So he knew exactly what he was setting up for January 6th because he had seen his uh, his rhetoric having similar results in the recent past. Is there any chance Donald Trump was surprised by the results of his own incitement? Let's do what Tom Paine told us to do. Use our common sense. The sense we have in common 
as citizens. If we don't draw the line here, what's next? What makes you think the nightmare with Donald Trump and his lawmaking and violent mobs is over? If we let him get away with it, and then it comes to your state capitol, or it comes back here again, what are we going to say? These prior acts of incitement cast a harsh light on Trump's obvious intent, obvious intent, his unavoidable knowledge of the consequences of his incitement, the unavoidable knowledge of the consequences of his incitement, and the clear foreseeability of the violent harm that he unleashed on our people and our republic. January 6 was not some unexpected radical break from his normal law-abiding and peaceful disposition. This was his state of mind. This was his essential MO. He knew that egged on by his tweets, his lies, and his promise of a wild time in Washington to guarantee his grip on power, his most extreme followers would show up bright and early, ready to attack, ready to engage in violence, ready to fight like hell for their hero just like they'd answered his call in Michigan. President Trump has said over and over his supporters are loyal. In his own words, his supporters are the most loyal that we've seen in our country's history. And he knew that his most hardcore supporters were willing to direct violence at elected officials, indeed to attack and lay siege to a Capitol building. And he knew they would be ready to heed his call on January 6th to stop the steal by using violence to block the peaceful transfer of power in the United States. He knew they were coming. He brought them here. And he welcomed them with open arms. We hear you and love you from the Oval Office. My dear colleagues, is there any political leader in this room who believes that if he is ever allowed by the Senate to get back into the Oval Office, Donald Trump would stop inciting violence to get his way? Would you bet the lives of more police officers on that? Would you bet the safety of your family on that? Would you bet the future of your democracy on that? President Trump declared his conduct totally appropriate. So if he gets back into office and it happens again, we'll have no one to blame but ourselves. This, of course, is why we must hold Trump accountable now. Ted Lieu, congressman from California, went on to argue to send a message that it is never acceptable to use political violence and to attack the Capitol. Lou recalled again Trump's message to the insurrectionists uh, in, in the video when he said, we love you. His tweet hours later, remember this day forever. 31 hours later, after the attack, he Trump finally released a video condemning sort of that attack. He claimed he immediately deployed the National Guard, even though he never deployed the National Guard, which Lou said he finds deeply disturbing as a veteran that the president of the United States, the commander in chief, did not bother to protect us. Um, he, he uh, Lou pointed out he never showed remorse and because he intended what happened on January 6th. On January 12th, he was asked by a reporter, what is your personal responsibility? But Trump uh, said, well, they analyzed my speech and they said it was totally appropriate, referring to his speech on uh, January 6th. 
But as a trained prosecutor, Lou said he knows that this guy, Trump, was not showing remorse. He was showing defiance and still has not recognized that Joe Biden won the election. All of these weeks later, even with Republican governors around the country condemning Trump's actions. People in his own party, state officials, former officials, current officials, members of Congress, have all unambiguously and passionately said that what Donald Trump did was, quote, disgraceful, shameful, and they've called his behavior existential and wrong. And they said that his actions gave rise to one of the darkest chapters in United States history. Let's hear what some of these officials had to say. Here are Governors Spencer Cox, Charlie Baker, Mike DeWine, Larry Hogan, and Phil Scott. People have to be held accountable, and yes, that includes the president. It's important to remember that they were the culmination of months of President Trump repeating over and over again that the American electoral system is a fraud. After he stoked the flames of outrage for weeks leading up to the events of yesterday, he refused to adequately prepare the U.S. Capitol for the possibility of violence and left it nearly defenseless. His remarks during and after the travesty of the attack on the Capitol were disgraceful. President Trump's continued refusal to accept the election results without producing credible evidence of a rigged election has started a fire that has threatened to burn down our democracy. This incendiary speech yesterday, when he gave preceding the march that he gave to the protesters, served only to fan those flames. I proudly stood by my father's side at age 12 on the floor of the House chamber uh, as we both took the oath of office, an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. It's clear to me that President Trump has abandoned this sacred oath. Seeing our capital, a symbol of democracy around the world, stormed by an angry mob was heartbreaking. And let me be clear, these actions were not patriotic, and these people are not patriots. The fact that these flames of hate and insurrection were lit by the President of the United States will be remembered as one of the darkest chapters in our nation's history. Now, whether hearing Republican governors cite Donald Trump as having incited this riot, will that make a difference for Republican senators? Who knows? But it wasn't just uh, Republican governors. It was also Trump's own former senior staffers who condemned him. Uh, 16 Trump officials, uh, Lou noted, resigned in protest after immediately after the insurrection, even though there was just weeks left in the Trump administration by that time. But conviction and disqualification from office is not only about accountability. It's also about the future, Ted Lou noted in this uh, chilling moment. Lack of remorse is an important factor in impeachment because impeachment, conviction, and disqualification is not just about the past, it's about the future.
It's making sure that no future official, no future president, does the same exact thing President Trump does. President Trump's life remorse shows that he will undoubtedly cause future harm if allowed, because he still refuses to account for his previous high grave crime against our government. You know, I'm not afraid of Donald Trump running again in four years. I'm afraid he's going to run again and lose, because he can do this again. Yes, he can. And that's a chilling thought that I'm uh, very happy to see Ted Lieu brought out there. Uh, Diana DeGette uh, talked about the long-term harm of this, con- of, of this conduct, the fact that his supporters now believe violence is somehow patriotic, that the, uh, the cost of it, the National Guard deployment, has cost almost half a billion dollars to this date to wow. protect the Capitol since then. And in uh, cap state capitals around the country for these cash-strapped states right now, that uh, far-right extremists are citing what happened on January 6th as a great success. Congressman David Cicilline from uh, Rhode Island talked about the harm that was done to the Capitol itself, uh, that members and, and staffers were calling and texting their families to say goodbye They thought this was it. One staffer was in lockdown for six hours, quit her job thereafter. For black and brown members and staffers, it was even worse because they had to see these symbols and slurs of white nationalists. Many, many of those staffers then had to clean up after all of this, including cleaning feces that had been smeared on the walls. Social distancing was impossible during the riot. Seven uh, congressional members tested positive. Thirty-eight Capitol Police members tested positive. More than 200 National Guardsmen and women tested positive. Three Capitol Police officers, of course, lost their lives due to the attack. He then showed a video montage of attackers calling Capitol Police officers traitors over and over again. As Ciceline said, so much for backing the blue. Joaquin Castro pointed out another important uh, point. The threat to national security from all of this, including stealing documents from Mitch McConnell's office, stealing a laptop from Nancy Pelosi's office, allegedly attempting to sell it to Russian intelligence services. China, he said, is even using the event to condemn U.S. opposition to China's crackdown on pro-democracy protesters by citing the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Our adversaries are even using the events of January 6th not only to denigrate America, but to justify their own anti-democratic behavior, calling America hypocritical. Here's what the Chinese government is saying. The spokesperson for China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs said the Capitol riot should spark, quote, deep reflection among U.S. lawmakers regarding how they discuss the pro-democracy movement in Hong Kong, suggesting that the U.S. is hypocritical in denouncing Beijing's crackdown in the city while it struggles with its own unrest at home. Think about that. President Trump gave the Chinese government an opening to create a false equivalency between Hong Kongers protesting for democracy and violent insurrectionists trying to overthrow it. That's Joaquin Castro of Texas. He went on to cite the chair of Russia's uh, parliament saying the celebration of democracy 
is over. America is no longer charting a course and has lost its right to set it and impose it on others. He said Iran also cited the attack to say that American values are a joke and even their friends are now laughing at them. Uh, He went on to say the world, in fact, is watching. The world is watching and wondering whether we are who we say we are. We must stand up for the rule of law because the rule of law doesn't just stand up by itself. After the insurrection, my colleagues on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, the chairman and the ranking member, issued a bipartisan statement that said, quote, America has always been a beacon of freedom to the world, proof that free and fair elections are achievable and that democracy works. But what happened at the Capitol today has scarred our reputation and has damaged our standing in the world. For generations, the United States has been a North Star in the world for freedom, democracy, and human rights. Because America is not only a nation, for many, it's also an idea. It's the light that gives hope to people struggling for democracy in autocratic regimes. The light that inspires people fighting across the world for fundamental human rights. And this trial is an opportunity to respond and to send a message back to the world. The world watched President Trump tell his big lie. The world watched his supporters come to Washington at his invitation. And the world watched as he told his supporters to march here to the Capitol. And President Trump, our commander in chief at the time, failed to take any action to defend us, as he utterly failed in his duty to preserve, protect, and defend. And now the world is watching us, wondering whether our constitutional republic is going to respond the way it should, the way it's supposed to, whether the rule of law will prevail over mob rule. Because the answer to that question has consequences far beyond our own borders. To fail to convict a president of the United States who incited a deadly insurrection, who acted in concert with a violent mob, who interfered with the certification of the Electoral College votes, who abdicated his duty as Commander-in-Chief, would be to forfeit the power of our example as a North Star on freedom, democracy, human rights, and most of all, on the rule of law. And to convict Donald Trump would mean that America stands for the rule of law, no matter who violates it. Let us show the world that January 6th was not America. And let us remind the world that we are truly their North Star. Congressman Joaquin Castro of Texas, one of the House impeachment managers on the second day, the closing day of opening arguments. Let's take a quick break here. We will come back with more special impeachment trial coverage as uh, the Democrats closed their case in the U.S. Senate, their opening case, by uh, pre-butting some of the arguments from the uh, Trump defense team and, um, well, asking for some questions that they hope 
the defense team will answer. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to the Bradcast. Hi, this is Brad. My thanks to those who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to sign up for a subscription to the Bradcast of any amount you like. We rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please grab a subscription at bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you. Same as it ever was. 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 Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Special coverage of Donald John Trump's second impeachment trial. We've got just a few minutes here uh, as the House impeachment managers wrapped up their case on Thursday, sort of pre-butting the argument that uh, the uh, defense team for Donald Trump has made in their pre-trial briefs, claiming that Donald Trump was just exercising his First Amendment rights when he told his supporters over and over again that they need to fight like hell for their uh, country or they will never have one, when he told them to march up to the Capitol and make their feelings heard, when he told them they needed to stop the counting of votes. Yeah, Raskin thoroughly decimated that. He said there's no First Amendment protection for inciting insurrection, uh, and yet that is the claim that... Team Trump seems ready to make. We will see what they make when they present their case. But, um, you know, now he's arguing that Congress is somehow violating Donald Trump's free speech right rights for inciting an insurrection that turns the Constitution on its head. Raskin noted, in fact, it was his uh, Donald Trump supporters who were taking away their free speech rights at the Capitol at the Capitol to count votes. Um, Joe Nagus of uh, Colorado uh, gave uh, what was almost a closing argument. He said that uh, he sort of reviewed the uh, the the evidence that had been presented, saying that uh, was this violence foreseeable? Yes. Did Donald Trump encourage the violence? Yes. Did he act willfully? Yes. And he hoped that we could agree that incitement of insurrection is itself an impeachable offense. It's not clear, however, that Republicans even agreed that. In any event, Nagus reviewed much of what had been presented over the uh, over the past few days. And he closed this way with a warning. What more could we possibly need to know about President Trump's state of mind? Senators. The evidence is clear. We showed you statements, videos, affidavits that prove President Trump incited an insurrection, an insurrection that he alone had the power to stop. And the fact that he didn't stop it, the fact that he incited a lawless attack and abdicated his duty to defend us from it, the fact that he actually further inflamed the mob, further inflamed that mob, attacking his vice president while assassins were pursuing him in this capital, more than requires conviction and disqualification. We humbly, humbly ask you to convict President Trump for the crime for which he is overwhelmingly guilty of. 
Because if you don't, if we pretend this didn't happen, or worse, if we let it go unanswered, who's to say it won't happen again? You know, I'm, I was reminded, uh, that was Jonah Goose of Colorado, I was reminded of uh, Adam Schiff's closing argument from Donald Trump's first impeachment. Oh, yeah, that's right. He gave a similar warning, didn't he? He did. He did say <laughs> he will do it again. Will you do us a favor? Will he trying to pressure other people to steal the election for him? The Republicans did not take the warning the first time. Will they, uh, Republican senators, ignore that warning yet again? I guess we will see in the days ahead. Yeah, I imagine what what I imagine the uh, Trump's lawyers are going to try to do is they're going to try to find something, anything to give Republican senators some kind of cover to cheat on their responsibility and their oaths to the Constitution. And yet the Democrats did a very good job, uh, as I say, of sort of pre-butting what they expect their arguments to be and then sort of going further by saying, okay. We invited Donald Trump to come and answer questions himself under oath. He declined. So uh, Raskin closed by saying, hey, I hope that the defense team will answer these questions. Why didn't Donald Trump take any action to try to stop the insurrection? And this question, which I hope they can answer, is incitement of insurrection by a president of the United States an impeachable offense? It will be interesting to find out. And find out we will on the next thrilling edition of the Bradcast. Uh, until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's always appreciated and an honor. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That service made possible by those of you who we can't thank enough for stopping by bradblog.com donate. To help us continue whatever the hell it is we do every day over your public airwaves. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. I will see you there until we see you here next time as the uh, trial of Donald John Trump continues again. Our special coverage will as well. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>